from him who transforms everything he touches, from him who is our shepherd and our king, the one who calls us by name. Be all grace and mercy and peace. Amen. Our text for this morning is our gospel lesson, Jesus' own words, where he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. This is our text. I want to start by being completely honest with you this morning and making a little bit of a confession. Every year when this Sunday rolls around, Good Shepherd Sunday, I find it rather difficult to preach on the Good Shepherd, to preach on all these texts about shepherds and sheep and green pastures and still waters. Now, it's not that I don't find comfort in these things or find them valuable in any way, shape, or form, but it's just that I have very little relationship with sheep and shepherds other than the sweaters that I used to wear when I used to live in Wisconsin. It's hard for me to relate to sheep and shepherds, and maybe you feel the same way because we just don't have those experiences. So over the years, I've heard preachers preach about how dumb sheep are and how we as Christians are sometimes dumb as well, but I really don't want to go down that path. I've heard preachers talk about the difference between the rod and the staff of Psalm 23, shepherd, but, but it doesn't strike me, if you get the pun, as being all that relevant. And, and I've heard preachers talk all about the tasks and duties of shepherds, but I kind of get lost in all of those details. After all, in this day and age... In this modern age, in this age of technology, why would anyone need a shepherd? But as I read and studied and kind of lived with this text for the week, beginning on Monday as I read it and delved into it and read some commentaries on it and looked at the original language from John 10, I actually began to relate a little bit to Jesus as my good shepherd not just a little bit, but actually very much. And this transformation happened when I began to see that Jesus as my good shepherd is a completely different kind of shepherd than any shepherd that I've ever read about or heard or seen because it just so happens that Jesus transforms everything he touches. Think about it. With his word, Jesus transforms simple water and makes it into a life-giving flood for you and me. Jesus takes ordinary bread and wine and transforms them with his word, adds his body and blood to them, and feeds them into our mouths to eat and drink for the forgiveness of our sins so that we are transformed. Jesus takes an ordinary sinful man with unclean lips and transforms him into a pastor of a people who have unclean lips. And of course, Jesus takes the whole idea of a shepherd and transforms it into the kind of shepherd the world has never seen. He completely transforms our entire idea of shepherds when he steps into that role for us and for our sake. You see, a shepherd cares for the sheep. 
He puts himself in danger for the sheep. He fights off the enemies of the sheep. But if you think about it, it's really probably very rare when a shepherd will actually lay down his life for his sheep. Now, it may happen time and again, but it's probably a very rare occurrence. But no shepherd in the history of the world has ever been able to take up his life again after he has laid it down for the sheep except one. And that is Jesus, our good shepherd, who in this Easter season, we continue to celebrate the fact that he is risen again from the dead. So maybe it's a little bit easier for us to relate to when we think about this whole idea of sheep and shepherds in the business world. So a guy who, who'd been in business most of his life was once saying the, the trouble with so many business leaders today is that they're only in it for their own quick profit. At one time, he says, people were really concerned about making something worthwhile, about building up a business, about looking after their workers. They would hope that their children would carry on the business after them and go on contributing to the well-being of the community. But, but these days, a businessman won't think twice about closing down a factory in one city and moving it 100 miles away, forgetting all about the people who have lost their jobs in one place and how he can make more profit in the other. As long as they get their bonus and share options, they don't worry about anything else. I'm sure that's not true everywhere, but, but it helps us to see what Jesus is talking about here, the point that he's trying to make in today's text. Jesus is showing us that a true shepherd, a good shepherd, isn't in it for his own profit. The true test comes when the shepherd is confronted with a choice. The wolf or the bear or the lion comes to ravage the sheep, and the shepherd has to decide. Will I run away and let this happen, or will I defend my sheep and lay down my life if that's what it takes. A shepherd might do that. The text points out that a hired hand never will. But even more than that, the good shepherd will fight off the predator, even if it does mean it will cost him his own life. And that's what makes this shepherd good. You know, we've come to see this common idea in our vocabulary of the good shepherd as one who is caring and comforting and all the rest. But the, the original language gets a little deeper here. It tells us that the word good really means somebody who is unique and different. This is what makes this shepherd noble and honorable and completely worthy of our trust and faith and praise. He's noble and worthy on the inside and he actually shows it on the outside. That's what it means to be a good shepherd. And that's why we listen to his voice above and beyond every other voice. I have no idea how well real sheep listen to the voice of their shepherd because I've never really had that opportunity to witness it. But I know pretty well how easily we follow the, the voices of those in our lives who follow us or who love us in a very, very deep way. 
For instance, I know that my little grandson Crosby loves me very, very much. We have a great time when we get together, when I get to babysit and we play and have fun and he laughs and giggles. But the moment his mother walks in the door and he hears her voice, guess where he goes? Scurrying away from me right to her to the voice of the one who is with him in the light of day and in the dark of the night, to the voice of the one who feeds him and cares him and nurtures him, to the voice of the one who is there when he laughs and when he cries, to the voice of the one who is there in sickness and in health. Jesus' voice is a voice that we most certainly listen to and must listen to. But it can also be a voice, as we know all too well, that offends. In fact, when Jesus spoke these words that day, if you continue reading past our text, you'll see what the reaction was of some of the people who were gathered there that day listening to Jesus speak. They thought he was a madman. They thought he was stark raving mad or filled with some kind of demon. We don't have to look very far today, even do we, to, to see or hear from people who think exactly the same thing. Now that Jesus couldn't really mean what he says, could he? He's a charlatan. He's a, he's a false prophet. He's nothing more than a straw man that people set up so that they have something to hope in in this evil world. That's what they say. And if we admit it, we even have to say that we ourselves sometimes go through times when we find it difficult to believe what Jesus says. Our pride gets in the way. Our selfishness gets in the way. Our own desires get in the way of listening to his voice. Our sin gets in the way of hearing the clear, truthful voice of our shepherd. But when we come to our Christian senses, when the Holy Spirit has his way with us, we say, as we've already sung this morning, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Jesus' voice is an invasive voice. It's been invading the world from the moment he was born. And even before that, it's a voice that offends and sometimes divides. Sometimes that voice causes discomfort because Jesus' voice always tells the truth. But this invasive voice has been doing a great deal of talking around here in this place since 1960. Throughout all the years of this congregation, the clear, truthful voice of Jesus has been speaking loudly and clearly every time we gather together here for worship. And it's been speaking loudly and clearly a great deal here, even in recent weeks and months. Through the rooted experience over the course of the past 10 weeks that we are encouraging every single one of you to take part in. Where you hear and listen to the voice of Jesus on a daily basis and then get together with fellow members of this congregation to continue to listen to that voice and follow in the way that he leads. Or on Wednesday mornings over at Einstein Bagels where a good number of us have been gathering together and listening to the voice of Jesus as he speaks through Paul in the book of Romans. 
or on Sunday nights as a good group of people gathers together and listens to the voice of the brother of Jesus, James, as he talks about the way that we live out our Christian life and the way that we live out our faith through all these different ways. We are listening to the voice of Jesus just as we do every Sunday morning when we gather around word and sacrament. Because this voice, Jesus' voice, is the voice that dares to call us by name, even if it's more convenient to live in some kind of anonymity. This voice, his voice, is the voice that dares to call us together as one flock, even if that fellowship infringes upon our own individual rights and freedoms. His voice is the voice that dares to forgive sins, even if we're not eager to confess them in all of their error and ugliness. His voice is the voice that dares to claim us and call us and name us his own. His voice is the voice that binds us together into a community of people that cares and supports and uplifts one another, especially in the times when we need it the most. And his voice is the voice that says those perfect three words, I forgive you. And when he says it, that forgiveness is full and free and your sins are washed away in the whirlwind of words that deliver to you the forgiveness for all of your sins. Now there's a reason that we celebrate Good Shepherd Sunday every year during the Easter season. And, and there's a reason why those who first heard Jesus couldn't understand these words. They were too difficult for them. They don't make sense. They're offensive. And they're filled with promises that cannot be kept unless they are spoken by a shepherd who has not only given his life for the sheep, but a shepherd who has taken up his life again, who has been raised from the dead, so when the good shepherd calls, people want to come. More than that, when the good shepherd dies and is raised again, people want to follow that voice even more. Who needs a shepherd in this day and age? Well, you and I do. We need him because he has given his life for his sheep and for his whole flock. We need him because he overcomes the wolf who comes to steal and kill and destroy. We need him because he saves us from being lost. He goes after us even if we are the one and the 99 are left behind. He even chases after us with speed and vigor when we wander away, which is why some of the very last words of Psalm 23 are my favorite picture of that psalm. In the original language, those words give us the picture of, of not just goodness and mercy following after us all the days of our life, kind of like a puppy dog with his tail between his legs. The original language would say that goodness and mercy chases after us all the days of our life, that they pursue us, that they follow after us, that they chase us down and come to get us. 
What a wonderful picture that is to know that Jesus' goodness and mercy are chasing after us through all the highs and lows, even through the valley of the shadow of death. And when we go through that valley of the shadow of death, we are completely transformed. And we sit at the shepherd king's banqueting table forever. And what a meal it will be. You see, Jesus transforms everything he touches. And as my good shepherd and yours, he even and especially transforms us into freed and forgiven and loved and eternally living sheep. What a shepherd he is. A good one. Amen.